0: It's a bowl full of granola and almonds, and then I douse it with water, and then I I force myself to choke it down while weeping. Hello, I'm Mark. I'm Justin. We're the J-Pops, and we are Attempting Parenting in Japan. Welcome to episode number 33.
1: Today we're going to be talking about how they introduce solid foods in the
0: West compared to japan but first how about some updates justin yes sir uh we've got a four month old on our hands and um in the new town that we've moved into you know we're in the moving transition right now but we've established residence in this new town Mm. there's a four month checkup and uh all of the four month old babies go there so what we did just a couple of days ago was um my wife and I took our 4-month-old into a facility with a huge number of other 4-month-olds and wow. it it was crazy just to see everybody all lined up and compared. And huh. um it was a really loose check. It was like um you know, nothing invasive, but uh it reminded me of my own health check that I do at work, but just for a baby. You know, they just uh they measure him up, they weigh him, they ask a bunch of questions about health like can he hold his head up and this sort of thing is they, you know, gauge his weight on the charts of development and see if he's doing fine. And then you do spend about a minute with an actual pediatrician and he, you know, gets in there and with a stethoscope and uh, feels like around the neck. I don't know what he's looking for. But um, anyway, we did all of that. But the more interesting thing, I mean, clean bill of health. So that's really good. But the really interesting thing to me was seeing like a sample of, say, like, I don't know, by the time we went in and left, we probably saw 15 other four month olds and their mothers. Mm, I was going to ask how many. Yeah. Well, you can really size up the baby. I would guess, you know, there are people in line ahead of us, people in line behind us. Then you see people coming and going from the different rooms. So maybe let's say between like 10 and 20 different kids we we laid eyes on. And um, a couple of things stood out about our kid. Uh, I always like to size him up, you know, against the competition. (laughs) And he, uh, one thing is that his eyes as a mixed kid, his eyes are just bigger. Like there's no way around it. He's just got these like big Disney eyes. Nico's got some huge eyes. (laughs) He does. (laughs) Any way you cut it, if he were fully Western or whatever, he just has large eyes. And so that's noticeable right out of the gate. Um, and the other thing that I noticed, I don't think this is really the result of anything in particular that we do, but hmm. he was like 10 times as talkative as any other child that we saw. And, oh, interesting. Yeah. This has been the case every time we go to a pediatrician or to the clinic or to the, um, uh, the Josanchi, which is what the, um, midwife will oh. sometimes pop into a midwife to get some advice, every sort of professional that we've seen. Um, at every stage of the game, says, like, this boy is a talker? Oh, my God. Like, everybody comments on that. Hmm. And uh, even the people, you know, of course, who are seeing babies all day, every day, they say he's a big talker. And uh, then he was the only one, like, making consistent noise, you know, just cooing and being talkative through the whole thing. And I don't think I heard any other baby make any sound that whole time. Weird. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, you could say like, oh, he's, you know, bilingual household He's hearing more sounds or whatever, but I don't think that's it. I think he's just too young for any of that to have made a big difference. And then also it could be that my wife and I are both on parental leave. And so we're both home. So maybe he is getting like mega FaceTime all the time with two people who are really trying to engage him. Whereas at maybe a, a nursery school or daycare, he might be a slightly more isolated for a bit more of the time. So hmm. if I had to chalk it up to anything, I would say that it's us, you know, talking to him constantly.
1: Yeah, but I feel like a four-month-old in general might just naturally try to like use, use their voice as much as they can.
0: Yeah, just being entertained by it or something.
1: But I did, I noticed a while ago when we were at our checkup, there mm-hmm. were other kids there. I don't know how old, they were older than Coda at the time. But I did notice that one of the moms kept shushing her son like all the time like the kid wasn't even really saying anything and the mom was like how old sh, did you say
0: he was did i miss it is he like two it was months like old? a
1: couple months over over coda at the time oh, so okay wow. maybe four four to six months or something but just i just thought that, that was kind of weird yeah <laughs> So maybe nice. there's
0: a lot of that going on yeah <laughs> but some of the other things that I thought like well you know you just see these other babies and size them up a little bit and uh something else that I noticed is I've always thought Nico has a lot of hair like he's like Steve off Stranger Things like he's got this amazing quaff of beautiful hair yeah. but we saw one kid at this place who had like hair like at least double the thickness and double the coverage of Nico's hair, you know, because wow. Nico's got a lot of like pretty long hair for a four month old. But this kid was just, it was like a Japanese Afro on this kid. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> and it was just like, wow, your, your opportunities are unlimited kid. You can do anything you want with that head of hair. And he's four <laughs> months old and he's just like bobbling around. But, uh, so I saw a kid that unseated Nico as the, like the hair prince. Um, and then the other thing I saw there was we went into a room, uh, that was a pretty big, like tatami mat room. And it was kind of like the staging area where everybody sits at a little, um, not a tatami mat, but like a foam mat that you put down, you put mm. your baby on it. And then they said, okay, take your baby's clothes off. Just get them down to the diaper. Cause we're going to weigh them at the next stage. So there's like 12 mothers in there all with their babies on a little mat and they're taking mm. their clothes off and they say, oh, and if he's uh if they said if he's got a heavy diaper you should change his diaper they called it a heavy <laughs> diaper so you're supposed to change him and strip him down and um there was a kid on his mat four months old like same size as nico looks the same basically you know all the measurements and stuff and he was just rolling to beat the band it was like back to front front to back just wow. cruising just like in circles <laughs> all over the place and he was unstoppable This kid would, he was off his mat constantly, and the mother would put him back on. No matter how she put him down, he was rolling off of it. And Nico's like rolled over twice in his life by accident, you know? And uh, (laughs) he's not a bit, he doesn't spend a lot of tummy time because he gets so angry about it but uh i think he hasn't developed like the coordination to push himself over but i saw Mm. another kid just like a whirling dervish out there just flying (laughs) around so i realized like we've always talked about your kids hit different milestones at different times like our kid is talking up a storm puts all the other four months old to shame but he doesn't really roll so it's just it's always going to be up and down kind of a crapshoot like that i suppose Mm. Yeah, but uh, that was our our weird little four month checkup. I guess another couple of takeaways was that um, I was the only father there uh, that I saw. It was just you know mothers in the same age bracket. This and... is like midday during the week, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I feel like uh, Japan is very traditional in some ways. Like there's still the image of like businessman wearing mm. his suit carrying his briefcase and then homemaker wife and that's still like a leave it to beaver episode that still kind of clings around in Japan a bit more. Yeah. Um, though it is changing. But then certain instances you'll see it kind of hit you in the face, like, oh yeah, the four month checkup, it's only mothers and babies and that's it. And a Yumi and I were the only two that went as a couple. They did recommend, they said try to keep the numbers down if you can just for coronavirus, but you're not prohibited from both parents coming. So maybe right. that, you know, kept some fathers away. But what I assume is it was midweek and they were all just hard at work in their cubicles, uh, wearing their cool biz and, um, right. <laughs> you know, probably feeling the cultural company pressure to not take the parental leave and that sort of thing. That's too so, bad. Um, yeah, I noticed that as a, as a bit of a difference. It reminded me of when I was in high school, or when I graduated from high school. And then when my first like semester of college started, you know, you're only 18, but you uh, don't have some morning classes. So I could like, go to work in the morning or whatever. And then I realized, oh, wow, during the day, there's no one from the age of five to 17 at all in society. They're all yeah. in schools. <laughs> and you realize that like, there's a totally different world during the day that I had never experienced. <laughs> and I felt that um, a couple of times this week where I was like, oh, I'm in housewife territory. I didn't know that this existed. This is crazy.
1: (laughs) This is my world, basically, because I work from home. So like when I do my grocery shopping, it's all just housewives out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's that uh, I've always said that, but it's like the leave it to beaver thing that you think is a thing of the past. But here it's just in enough of a percentage, it still exists as the norm to have it be noticeable, I think. We were in Eon the other day,
1: and I actually I saw another dad in there midday it was like a wednesday or something walking around with this kid same as me i was like oh all right right.
0: there's two of us now yeah it's not the glass ceiling what would it be breaking the the poop barrier (laughs) he's breaking the poop (laughs) barrier (laughs) it's like the sound barrier he's like the chuck yeager of dads (laughs) first man to break the poop barrier uh so what about updates for little codes uh i've got a couple things actually this week so
1: he's uh he's 13 weeks now but of course going on the trend of every other week for the past month we have not taken a single picture of him with those little week placards mm. that we've been trying to do mm-hmm. we're definitely going to do it at the month though yeah that's good Hopefully, Put on the calendar maybe we'll see um But uh, I did apply for his social security number just today, actually. And I wanted to update this a little because before you were talking about how you read the FAQ and it was like could take up to six months to get your stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was a little worried about it. I was reading through the application to get the kid's social security number. You got to fill out form i think it's ss-5-fs and if you read through the instructions on this form there's a section that says if you don't want to mail in your documents you can go down to your local office and they will make certified copies of everything and then send those off to america oh interesting and so i was curious about the timing on this like if i went down there like you know when could i get an appointment blah 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 so i called them Mm -hmm. and in calling them actually the lady talked me out of going down there and just said it's faster to just mail in your stuff because mm. even if you mail it in all they do is make certified copies of it and forward those on to mm. the offices in america and then they mail you your original documents back she said it there right now they're doing about a 10-day turnaround oh but wow. it, you could see it even less than a week if there if they have nothing else going on
0: yeah that's encouraging for the time frame um yeah. my wife went down to get her visa she went to the consulate a couple of weeks ago, right. and uh, she was there on a Wednesday, and we received it in the mail, her passport with the visa sticker in it on Sunday, so it was wow. literally, like, took four days, and we had it back in hand, so wow, I think it great. is, yeah, like, faster than you would anticipate. I had heard something different than that, though. I heard that if you're in America, it goes through the U.S. social security system, but then I heard if it if you're in Japan or in a foreign country, they handle the processing of it in the embassy. And then uh, I assumed it was even card printing, but you're saying like you read that it all goes to America in the end anyway.
1: Yeah, that's the way uh, the lady I spoke with made it out. She was saying Mm -hmm. that because I was asking about going down there and I was like, hey, if I want my passports back faster, can I just make an appointment, go in, you guys make the copies, right? And then I can get it back. And she was like, yeah, well, we'll copy everything, send them off, but it doesn't matter if you come in or if you mail them in. That's the same mm. process.
0: Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, that's good. I'm still, you know, trying to get back to the U.S. within about two months, um, yeah. maybe shorter. So I'm still like leery of my passport leaving my possession. So I think I'm just gonna delay the whole thing. But um, I feel 99% sure that I could get it done like really quickly. Yeah, if I think if you don't have any reason to do it right away, it's not like a
1: necessary thing that the kid has to have it. I mean, at this yeah. point. Both our kids are Americans. They just don't have mm-hmm. a number. Yeah. And for me, the only reason I want to get the social security number right away is because I want to start setting up a college savings account in America. Mm-hmm. And there's no
0: way I can do that without having that social security number. Yeah. Interesting. That was uh, my dad, for all of his grandkids, he sets up some sort of account, like a savings account or college account. Mm-hmm. And um, that's why he wanted the social security number, which is what was um, prodding me down that road. And oh, then okay. I, Got spooked, but yeah, very similar story, I think. She was saying, though, that you can set up an appointment to go down. I think
1: the only office in Japan that does it is the uh, Federal Benefits Unit in the Tokyo embassy. Interesting. But she said the appointments, um, I think the soonest, she said,
0: was like a couple weeks out. Mm. So And you've yeah, got the cost of getting to Tokyo, I suppose. Yeah, then the round-trip shinkansen. All right, good info. Um,
1: anything else for updates? No, not really. I mean... Coda's doing pretty great. He's uh, almost three months, but talking up a storm, a lot like Nico is, he moves so much though. This kid never stops moving. Yeah. Like last night we were laying in bed and uh, I think it was like two or three a.m. I, I woke up and I could just hear him lift his legs and slam them down. In the, in the, and he's fully asleep. He's just like lifting <laughs>
0: legs, slamming down. Wow. Our kid doesn't do any of that. Um, He's so lazy. It's unbelievable. (laughs) Like, I think it just runs in the family. I would rather... I remember there was a NASA experiment once and it was like, hey, sign up for... I forget how long the time frame was, like six months or something. Sign up for six months and lay on a 10 degree (laughs) incline and we want to test, see what it does to the human body as part of a NASA, you know, like future space travel research or whatever. And I was like, that's my dream job. Lay down for six months. Exactly. And then my video are,
1: game tester as well. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> people are like, careful what you wish for. And I'm like, oh, I am. I'm being very careful. I would love to lay down for six months. No problem. Uh, I could do it in my sleep. Literally. Oh. Yeah, maybe uh, that's a hereditary trait then. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. But he doesn't uh, put much into like moving around. And uh, he his eyes are going all over the place and he follows people's movements. And I do feel like he's trying to figure things out but he's mm. just not like actively reaching for things or swinging his fists or anything like that. Oh man, Coda is a, is grabbing everything he can these days. We got him a little
1: it's like a plush blanket doll tiger mm-hmm. and we just like put it in front of him and then his hands just are like magnets and they just cling and grab it. And then he's like, Oh, I got to put this in my mouth and then instantly (laughs) tries to chew
0: it. Yeah. Nico's not that adventurous. He's got a few toys, but he doesn't really care to touch them or manipulate them at all. And, um, if you put something into his hand, he might then swing it around a little bit, but he drops it and it's never something he does like of his own accord. Hmm. Uh, but I think it's all coming eventually, or I don't know, maybe that's a personality trait that's expressing itself very early. Maybe he'll always, cause I feel like on the scale of passive to active, I feel passive. Like I'm happier to watch TV or to even like video gaming. I'm happy to watch somebody play a video game or something. I don't feel the need to like get out of the house and go a hundred miles an hour. Oh. So, um it could be yeah the personality coming out or maybe he'll just grow into it like all of those other you know milestones it could just be coming down the line just like a month later or something well some people are more active and less and yeah i will keep an eye on it though but uh i guess we can fire up segment time on to the segment land let's go to segment land huzzah (laughs) segment today um, is about solid foods, introducing them. And uh, kind of interestingly, the differences between the Japanese schedule of introducing solid foods and the Western schedule. I mean, there's 90-95% overlap between those two things. It's kind of like hard science and it's just known like what is safe and what is good to do. Mm. But there are differences in sort of like, you know, just the diet. Like if something's not part of your diet, you're obviously not going to introduce it to your baby. So, um, at the four month checkup that I was talking about before in the updates, that was part of it. We sat down with a nurse or maybe a midwife, um, and she went over a list of things to think about with the baby. And one of those things was the upcoming introduction of solid food. Hmm. So, um. We had probably a good five minute conversation, and they pulled out a really big chart with all the months mapped out and all the different types of food like vegetables, fruits, proteins, and things to avoid and like mapped out on this massive, you know, A3 size chart. So hmm. that got me interested in looking it up on the Western side as well in the what to expect the first year book. It's just Cheerios, the whole yeah, way. <laughs> yeah just put a bowl of Cheerios. <laughs> by their bed forget about it, uh, it maybe slightly more complex than that but um, oh, okay. I thought that uh, one of the first things right out of the gate the first thing that uh, I was interested in was that my sister told me that it's six months that's when you start introducing solid foods and they have a kid who's hmm. now 11 months old and that's what they did they introduced solid foods at six months and I always heard that six-month figure you know oh easy yeah. to remember like right there in the middle And, um, the Japanese form that we saw at that four month checkup, the first like column on the chart says five to six months. And so Mm. I thought, Hmm, I wonder if they're introducing a bit earlier in Japan. So then I checked the book, uh, the aforementioned what to expect the first year, uh, by Heidi Murkoff on page three eighteen, there's a little quote in a box and it says, um, this is in the fifth month chapter, by the way. It says about eating, baby is still on a liquid, mostly diet. Though some parents mm. choose to begin solids during the fifth month, most doctors recommend waiting until the half year mark. So it seems to me that this is sort of the Western consensus that, yeah, you could do it in the fifth month, that's fine. But there seems to be like a medical agreement that maybe six month is like the, the uh, optimal time to kick off the solid foods. Hmm. So I think they gave a little head nod to it in the, you know, the Western source, the what to expect book, five months could be okay. In Japan, they seem to lean into it more fully as though, yeah, five, six months, that's when you do it.
1: Is it one of those things where it's like you were saying before with the kid, like rolling and doing everything as active as he could, like, and Nico is just sitting there. Could it be like, maybe this kid's just ready for solid foods before another kid. And then if you think they are five months is fine, but in America, it's more probably like. Let's just go six to be safe for everybody.
0: I think that's exactly it. Um, because even in the book uh, on the next page, 319, um, they say uh, like there are some signs that your kid might be ready to try food. Uh, mm. And the paragraph leading into those signs, it actually says to decide if your baby is ready for the big step into the world of solid foods at four months or oh. not till six months or somewhere in between. Look for the following clues. um, And it says, then consult the health visitor. Hmm. So uh, they even reference, yeah, maybe at four months they could have some food. But on the previous page, they said uh, most doctors recommend waiting until six months. So uh, those signs are, one is that your kid should be able to hold his or her head up when propped to sit. So you need that Hmm. like neck and head control, like that's a prerequisite to then start the feeding, I think. Mm, Um, So be sure that they can do that. Uh, And then that's even for like the heavily watered down, like strained sort of foods. They said for anything chunkier, you've got to wait until about seven months so that the baby Mm. can even sit up alone, like without a chair, but you know, just sit on the floor alone. So um, yeah, that's kind of the timeline there. Another one to look for, it says the tongue thrust reflex. um, And that is like Hmm. uh, something that, I had never heard about before, but apparently a newborn is born with this reflex that and it's to prevent choking. Basically, if something winds up in their mouth, then they'll just thrust their tongue to like pop it back out of their mouth.
1: I have noticed this a lot with CODA.
0: Oh, yeah. Is it with foods or toys or something?
1: It's with a binky or pacifier. Mm -hmm. Like almost every time I first put it in he's like, no, no, no. And like, yeah. that tongue comes out. <laughs> yeah. Get that
0: thing out of there.
1: Yeah. I didn't know it had a name.
0: Yeah. Tongue thrust reflex. I just learned about this today, actually looking this up. Nice. Um, and it says, um, you can test them on this by putting a little bit of like really thinned out food. And by the way, you can thin food with breast milk, So Hmm. as you said, if you had a Cheerio or something, whatever it is, you can mush that up with some breast milk and then that can be kind of a test. Uh, You can put that on your finger or on a baby spoon and then try to put it in the kid's mouth. And if he's like heavily thrusting it back out of his mouth, then you should wait a bit. Hmm. So the next indicator is... If kids start to show interest by reaching for things like when you're eating something and they're reaching for it themselves, maybe that's uh, just a sign that they're curious enough to want to go for it and they could be amenable to it. Hmm. The next sign, it says uh, baby is able to make back and forth and up and down movements with the tongue. Um, and you should just watch them carefully to gauge whether they can do this. I guess basically to see if they have the tongue control to sort of handle foods in their mouths. Hmm. And finally, um, it says the little one is able to open wide so that food can be taken from a spoon. So um, I don't know if that's like when presented with a food, if they open their mouth or just in general terms, can they open their mouth and have that amount of control? to accept food then that could be a sign that they're ready yeah so those are the things you can look for and again we've got that conflicting kind of conflicting advice but i guess it's as you say it's more of a feel thing and it's like well you know six months thought to be safe maybe fifth is okay maybe four if you have a uh, Mm. precocious fat little baby who wants to get those (laughs) foods in there you can go for it uh the thing that the two countries definitely agree on though is um, about the watering down of foods in the beginning. And mm. you can water them down with um, breast milk. You can water them down with uh, <clears throat> powdered milk, like a you know, baby formula that you've mixed up. You can water down that way. Mm. And you can also just water things down with water, like if you've boiled it you know to the degree that you can just mash it up with a spoon or something that's mm. kind of infused with water. So there are multiple ways to go about it. But uh, in the Japanese instructions, they give very specific, like, examples. And they say, like, um, okay, first thing off off the bat on the Japanese list, and this is a very Japanese thing, but it's okayu. And uh, okayu is that, like, in English, it's actually translated as gruel. So it's a little (laughs) bit like Oliver Twist style, but it's like it's just a rice that's got so much water in it. It's like a soupy, loose rice, you know, mm-hmm. um, maybe similar to grits or something in in America. But uh, it's a gruel or grits, but it's it's definitely a rice based thing. And they say in the Japanese instructions to do like a 10 times watered down gruel and a, a gruel or okayu is already watered down. That's like the point of it. Um, right. So then they're like, say, OK, do that, but give it a 10x on the water side Hmm. um so that's just how watered down they want this stuff uh and that's sort of in the five to six month range that's what they recommend for basically everything is like water it down to this extreme degree to and the english references say like until it's dripping off the spoon and you might feel Mm. like it's too liquidy but that's what you want you know to make the transition into solid
1: foods i would does this like mention anything about like the uh baby purees Or anything like that? Or is this all just like converting actual food that we would eat into baby food?
0: On the Japanese side, everything that I read is geared toward home preparation. Okay. And maybe I'll I'll run through that and then by way of comparison we can get to the us side of things or the western side um i can't mm. remember off the top of my head if they mentioned the baby foods or not but um uh we can come to those i'll skip over all the like specific grams or tablespoons or whatever they all vary and they're all very small what a stupid yeah thing. in the way it is <laughs> it's a spoon the size of a table what gives what are you even talking (laughs) about in the western guides it's like yeah one tablespoon per meal and over time this could increase to four tablespoons but (laughs) in the japanese it's like uh 10 to 30 grams it's like well i can't picture that either i don't know so you have to figure out how to measure this stuff like the main category is that gruel that's the only thing listed um and then the next category on the japanese chart here is vegetables and uh it's very japanese in the vegetable choice of course um uh, i guess the first round of vegetables is uh goes for either culture but spinach carrots and broccoli mm. and it says to boil them to like <clears throat> a softness or a wateriness that you can just make it like a watery paste basically mm. which sounds like uh you know more or less the consistency of a store bought baby food yeah. so i guess it seems to be more or less the same then the next round of vegetables are Uh, cabbage of course and then there's uh, haksai which is like a particular Mm. type of japanese cabbage listed separately there's daikon which is a big white radish Mm. Um, there's onion and then there's kabu which is i don't know exactly what it is it's some sort of radishy turnipy kind of a thing.
1: I've never heard of that one.
0: Yeah, I'm not too familiar with it. But um, th- those seem to me like those trad- uh, traditional Japanese vegetables. And right. all of those, again, it says get them to a very soft state through boiling and then mm. make them into like a mush or a paste, basically. That's the list there. These are, again, in the five to six month category. Then there's a separate category for fish. And they say that white fish are okay, like the sea bream that we talked about a few mm. weeks ago. Um, And again, the rule is uh, get these down into a watery paste, boiled. And then the the next category, the last one of foods to mention here, it says tofu. And it's the Hmm. same exact rule, like watery paste of tofu. But it's so interesting to me that the foods that are specified on this list for five to six months, it's gruel or okayu. (laughs) Um, potatoes mentioned, uh, maybe I forgot to mention that, but potato, spinach, carrot, broccoli, cabbage, radish, onion, uh, special Japanese cabbage and turnipy sort of thing. Um, white fish and tofu. So that Sounds seems like so a healthy. very yeah very healthy sounds like a very japanese style list to me then it says things to avoid uh specifically obviously no honey um i've heard different sources say between uh one year and two years even shouldn't give a kid honey and the the idea is i think it sits in their stomach and can create botulism i think inside the kid uh they can't digest it and so then bacteria Mm. can grow inside the honey inside the the baby um So no honey whatsoever. Uh, It says no sugar added to anything. It says no salt added to anything. And Mm. importantly, no miso. So they Mm. ban miso soup. I guess it's too uh, salt heavy. That's pretty salty. Yeah, and that's in the five to six month range. I won't get into the rest of the chart. It goes seven to eight month, then nine to 11, then 12 to 18. So maybe we can cross those bridges when we come to them. But that's uh, that's all the advice that they give. Uh, So let me pick it up on the western side something that's a bit different they reference cereal right out of the gate on the western (laughs) side and they say of course uh like add liquids, whether it's the you know, however you're making it soft and mushy through breast milk or boiling or whatever. And uh the first thing they mention is cereal. If you start with baby cereal, pick a single grain iron enriched whole grain variety, like brown rice. Oh, so there's some overlap, a little rice. Whole grain oat or whole grain barley. Uh to prepare, mm-hmm. mix a small amount of baby cereal with formula, breast milk, or even water to create a creamy soup. Don't sweeten the taste by adding things like bananas, uh apple juices or purees or anything and it's best to introduce only one food at a time Uh, and also you want the baby to acquire a taste for plain stuff before you start sweetening it Hmm. so yeah in the same way that the japanese lean right into the okayu or the gruel they go right into the cereal i assume it's cheerios in the western side
1: are you guys cereal eaters in your house
0: i'm a massive cereal eater i would eat cereal for every meal yeah wow
1: I don't think I've had cereal in a couple of years, to be honest with you.
0: You turncoat. You're not even American <laughs> I anymore.
1: I just don't see it as a viable meal. Like anytime I eat what? cereal, I'm instantly hungry after I'm done.
0: And so I've just stopped eating it. I, I dress it up a lot. I'll take uh like half a handful of almonds or walnuts, pop that in the bowl, and then my cereal's usually granola. And I'm a real lunatic. I'm always trying to cut stuff out of my diet, like get rid of calories. So a few years ago, I gave up milk and soy milk, and I just pour water on it. No, so, you don't. Yeah, 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 dude. I go right under <laughs> the sink for a couple of years now. It's a bowl full of granola and almonds, and then I douse it with water. And then I, disgusting. And then I force myself to choke it down oh my God. while weeping. Uh, No, it's good. It's crazy, man. It's like one of those things where once you do it, you get used to it. And then it's like, oh, what is this? indulgent snack of milk on everything you feel like a (laughs) am I a child king and everything must be (laughs) submerged in milk before I eat it so uh yeah now it's water on all cereals that's my jam these days
1: wow I've had granola but I always put it in yogurt
0: yeah uh yogurt's excellent we will have yogurt around the house and I'll do that too for sure But it's interesting that you don't try
1: to supplement the the milk for yogurt and instead you go the other way with water
0: yeah i guess it depends on how hungry i am and if i feel like i need to be a bit fuller then i will put yogurt in if we have yogurt it's not constant but but i don't count granola as cereal though ah yeah i guess it's a heavier thing yeah
1: like when i think of cereal i think of like frosted flakes cheerios yeah yeah Stuff like that—that's not like sustainable yeah. or sustaining.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't really go for any like sugared thing anymore. Um, definitely when I was a kid, but I am an adult cereal fan. Like a mm. like if it says like banana nut whole grain something on, it, I would eat the heck out of that for sure Hmm. uh but it's hard to find that good stuff in japan they're not a big cereal country but when i go back to the u.s i'm in the like senior citizen cereal aisle all day (laughs) i'm just loving it another little window into my diet it's it's kind of obscene but like last night i was moving stuff you know we're in the process of moving so i took a van load of stuff to the new house i unloaded it and then when i came home it was pretty late but i hadn't eaten dinner yet and my wife very thoughtfully had cut up cucumbers, carrots, and green peppers. Hmm. Why had she cut up cucumbers, carrots, and green peppers for me, do you think? To start a salad? Actually, to top a pizza, because I like to get a <laughs> nice pizza and then just put any vegetables we have on it in the house. So she thought, um, oh, he's probably going to you know eat a pizza when he comes home and he'll want to have cucumbers carrots and green peppers which she she nailed it but i wasn't that hungry when i got home and i thought i don't want to have a whole pizza so i just scraped all those chopped up vegetables into a bowl and just ate them like that and that, was my, that was my dinner it was just a bowl of those three things and uh, it was amazing. great man i love i hate dressing get the dressing out of here dressing has not been a part of my life for like 10 years and it disgusts oh, wow. me mayonnaise and dressing get it out and when i eat that spoonful of raw vegetables i'm i love it it's (laughs) phenomenal dude you can like taste every individual thing about the carrot and the cucumber especially i mean the pimon too let's not sell the green pepper short they're all good i love them
1: we have such different diets yeah
0: (laughs) that's all i want to do though is just have vegetables all the time they're just so freaking good but i think it's years of training yourself to only like years of punishing yourself, really, to only eat them, and then you get used to it. You're like a prisoner who's grown to love <laughs> his prison cell. I am. It's <laughs> the uh, oh, what's it called? What's the reference? It's uh, I've definitely been institutionalized. Anyway, I'll think of it eventually. But um, speaking of vegetables, that's the next thing in the U.S. reference here. It says um, a veggie, or I should say, the U.K. reference. Let's call it the Western reference. The what mm. to expect the first year book. Veggies are tops in nutrition and unlikely to trigger allergies. Start with milder yellow or orange options, such as sweet potatoes, squash, and carrots, before moving on to peas and green beans, which have slightly stronger flavors within Mm. you. If your baby rejects what you've got, try again tomorrow and the next day and the next. Some babies need to be introduced to a new food four or five or more times before they'll accept it, so perseverance is key Mm. uh then after vegetables you get to fruit uh fruit it says delicious digestible first fruits include finely mashed bananas or purees of apple peach or pear for something completely Mm. different and completely baby friendly start with smoothed down mashed or pureed ripe avocado it's creamy yummy and loaded with healthy fats Mm. so um yeah that's all in the sixth month chapter of what to expect the first year that's sort of what they recommend and you'll notice that everything is like pureed and watered down or mixed with breast milk and like very very much the bridge between a liquid Mm. diet and a solid diet like just Bits of grains of whatever it is or little fibers basically right. mixed into a liquid. It's interesting that the Japanese side didn't have any fruit on it. Yeah. They didn't mention it in the five to six month category. Not that I saw anyway. I think it's coming in the future though. Is that because they, they seem
1: to make an emphasis on not having like a lot of salt or sugar and yeah. probably the best way to keep out the sugar is to keep out the fruit. So they're like, well, just avoid it all.
0: They mention fruits they come later uh but those only pop up on the japanese chart from the ninth to the 11th month and i don't know exactly what the rationale is but maybe it's as you say like get them used to all the sort of blander less flavorful foods and less sweet foods and then Mm. you you don't want to kick them off with like the most delicious thing and then have them reject everything else so um maybe that's Hmm. the thinking uh and this is just one city's list so it might be different wherever you go
1: okay well that's good good to know have you noticed nico starting to show interest in solid foods or not do the tongue thrush thrusting i forget what it was called
0: already (laughs) yeah me too uh tongue thrust reflex let's say uh He's had his little experiments with foods here and there. I always sort of like, you know, if he's fussy or something and I happened, once I happened to be eating an apple and, um, mm. here's another little window into my dieting life. I will only <laughs> ever eat a whole apple seeds and stem and everything. You I might be a real seeds? lunatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I eat the seeds and everything. Wait, you eat the stem? Yeah, yeah. I eat the whole thing, man. I eat... <laughs> <laughs> It all comes from, I'm, a, I'm an actual crazy person, that's what it is, but it comes from in my office, it's so much trouble to like go properly throw away food stuff, because I don't want to keep it in my little trash can, I want to take it out to the main trash can that's like quite a walk away, so then oh. it's easier to eat the apple. Now, the way you do this is you don't start on the side of the apple, no, no you start on the ass end of the apple <laughs> and you eat it from the bottom. So then like every bite that you take has a healthy mixture of like good apple and then like stemmy fibrous nonsense. <laughs> and then you're like getting a healthy mix and then you can just swallow it and not worry about it.
1: This kind of goes back to your whole, I'd rather not do anything and just be lazy. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. It's laziness. Pure and simple. Okay. But uh, I was eating an apple, whole apple and I had Nico there with me and this was like quite a while ago, maybe a month or so. And then he was being a bit fussy and I was like, you know, I bet I can throw him off the scent of being fussy if I just hold this apple up to his mouth and give him the taste of it. And uh, so he didn't eat anything, but it just like touched his lips and then he's like forgets his fussiness and he's just licking his lips and he's like, what is this? And it's blown his mind. But we've done that with little bits of food as time's gone by as we're eating and he like staring at us or something. We'll just touch it to his lips and then he like licks his lips frantically trying to figure (laughs) out what the whole new taste is. And we uh, we have raspberries growing in the yard and like the first raspberry of the season is a minor big deal. So we got the first raspberry and then, you know, Mm. you can pull off a tiny granule of raspberry and kind of squish Mm. it. And then uh, we put one of those into his little mouth. And he wow. uh, licked around for a long time, confused about that. So we've <laughs> you know, very slowly introduced this sort of thing to him. And we're leading off with the fruits, it sounds like, actually. So that's not advisable. But, um, yeah, we're, we're not in whole hog yet. So uh, we're still just feeling it out. Uh, has Koda gotten any food into his mouth, even by accident?
1: No, I don't believe so. None that I've been aware of. I yeah. don't think Moe has done it either. Yeah,
0: I told before that another kid shoved some popcorn into nico's mouth so he's had a bit of popcorn he didn't swallow it but he's had a good healthy kernel of popcorn yeah just here and there randomly he's had a bit of taste testing that's good so yeah he may be into that he doesn't seem to be against it he seems to be like kind of interested in figuring out what it is he's tasting for the first time so seems healthy but i suppose uh let's move on from segment land yes
1: you have a question this week
0: yes So my question for you is preceded by a very brief story. I was in a parking lot. Yumi was in uh, the city office there taking care of some business. And I was in the parking lot with the baby in much cooler weather than we have now. And uh, a few weeks ago. And then somebody parked next to me and it was a dude. He was like a real dude, like a macho, (laughs) semi-muscular guy. And he drove a kind of SUV sort of thing. So I thought, okay, this guy's like a, a tough guy. And then he opened up the passenger side door and it's his baby seat in the front seat, passenger side, Uh. Uh, not advisable. And the baby is facing the window in the airbag, buddy. He's looking forward and he's literally like, we're parked there. I had the windows down. It was like a nice cool day, had the windows down. And then there's a empty parking space and then he's in the next parking space. So he's like 10 feet away or whatever. And uh, I see him like come around his car and then open the door and then take his kid out and everything. So my question for you is, is there any way to broach the topic, to bring it up, to mention it? Or do you just like let that go and say like, good luck to you, sir, because it's too awkward socially. And that's like language barrier aside. Like, you know, forget that it would have to happen in Japanese. Do you do that at all, even if you can communicate it?
1: Um, Okay, I'm going to step back and say that I'm not in Japan for this scenario. Yeah. If I'm in America and I see this 100%, I say something to the person. Oh, interesting. Because their kid could die. (laughs) And I feel like, That's like, I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to like make the parent feel bad or be a douche by like telling them what to do. I just feel like it's kind of like responsible to help prevent somebody's death if I could. Yeah. And like chances are in America, you're going to get in a car accident. So be as Mm. safe as you can. Mm -hmm. And I would i would definitely say it in japan it's harder because i mean as a foreigner if you try to say something like that to a japanese person first Mm -hmm. off they're probably not going to understand you yeah at least me with my shitty japanese abilities Mm -hmm. but then they might even just start questioning like who cares like why are you telling me this i don't know i see it all the time so i don't think people care i mean they have to know it's dangerous
0: yeah it seems to be a bit more like um Some of the public health things that have really taken root in America, like smoking, you know, and um, like the car seat safety and that sort of thing. Japan is just, again, like a little bit more leave it to beavery. Like they're just a bit more in the past on the kind of common sense of that stuff, which, you know, is not common sense that you're born with, but is something culturally that should catch on eventually. But uh, it's so hard to like, you know, there's always that thing about like, don't, criticize another parent for what they're doing parenting wise. But this one is just so firmly backed up by the evidence. You would want to at least give them the helpful advice. Yeah. Um,
1: There's different parenting styles. Sure. I don't think car seats come into that. I don't think like, you know, safety measures Mm -hmm. fall into parenting style. Yeah. So these are things like if I didn't know how to put a car seat, I would hope somebody would tell me how to put a car seat in. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I should say, um, just so that I'm clear that I know what I'm talking about kind of, isn't it like they should face backwards because of whiplash primarily, right? Like if you're rear-ended, your head would snap forward. Uh, It's not exactly how it happens. If you're rear-ended or if you rear-end someone, your head would snap forward and a baby's soft little neck and they can't support themselves so that you might as well face them backwards so that their head sort of like hits that cushion of the car seat.
1: Yeah, I I think the... The logic behind that is that the likelihood of somebody rear ending you at a high enough speed to create whiplash for the baby facing backwards is Mm -hmm. not enough that if you are going forward at a high speed and hit something, there's a Mm -hmm. higher chance of causing damage that way.
0: Oh, that makes sense because you could run into anything, not just another car. So statistically, it's more likely. To have a head-on collision.
1: Not in the front seat, obviously, because an airbag can break a little baby's neck pretty quick. Yeah. And really,
0: even if they're facing backwards, I guess, disrupt the the car seats position and there's also the thing of the crumple zone you just want yeah. your kid more toward the center of a vehicle so that mm. any crash that happens the you know the car will crumple and absorb impact so uh, yeah kid in the if you have three rows of seats center row is best facing backwards yeah. uh, or two rows of seats put them in the back seat facing backwards but uh, I was like doubly cowed in this situation because first of all if I tell them like hey your car seats the wrong direction I can't really explain it Without right. either having it sound like total nonsense or having it sound very rude and overly direct, in which case right. he's probably not receptive to it. So the language barrier is the main thing. But even in America, I don't know if I would like just uh, put myself into the situation and say like, man, you got to do it differently because there's so much of like, I'll do my own research, you know, like that sort of thing in America. Oh. And it's like your word against mine. And I feel like you're just asking for a an argument with an American. So I would probably be standoffish in that case too
1: in america i'd probably be
0: all game for it (laughs) yeah you just go in and beat them down verbally yeah verbally (laughs) and physically you just beat them down uh so yeah that was my question i uh i definitely didn't do or say anything and i just felt like kind of boxed in like for multiple reasons i thought that maybe if you can show a resource that's understandable like i think on the side of our car seats or maybe on the base uh, maybe there's a diagram of the car and it's Cars do have it yeah it's got like big red x's on the front seats and the far rear seats and it's got like green circles on the central seats and so i thought at least all language aside i could show him that diagram and then maybe that would resonate but Mm. um yeah i didn't think of it at that time but it was just it was a bridge too far for me and that my poor poor japanese
1: i uh i would have not done the same yeah uh
0: or done the same done it not. Not in, not in it. Okay. Not done it. <laughs> Let's improve our Japanese and maybe our English in Japanese of the day. Uh, Japanese of the day, this is actually two words. That are uh, kind of different uh, in Japanese, but in English, it's the same word. And this happens sometimes where like one language differentiates something further than another language. So you've got like in English, the word I'm talking about is thermometer. And your thermometer tells you the outside temperature and your thermometer tells you your body temperature. And you've got, you know, anything that measures temperature is a thermometer. But in Japanese, that's not the case and uh some of it's related to the kanji i believe so mm. um the two types of thermometer um you know the one relevant to your baby is going to be a taionke onke, and the tai means body the on really means warm but i think you could say because the first one's body let's call it body heat and then mm. uh the ke is like a total basically, like a measurement or a total. Mm. So it means your body heat total. And Tayonke, that's the thermometer you'll use for your body. Uh, that's the one you'll need for your baby, like to get the special baby's version that's kind of soft and easy to use. Uh, then there's something else called the Ondoke. And the Ondoke, in this case, Ondo is a temperature, but it means like the ambient temperature of the world around you or something. So the temperature mm. outside. And the ondoke is the total of that temperature or the device to measure that temperature. So ondoke is a uh, thermometer in the outdoor sense. And then taionke is the thermometer you'll use to measure body temperature. So if you were going to shop for these, it's important to like ask for the right thing because it's you know wildly confusing if you try to get an outdoor thermometer, but you want to... Baby thermometer because you've used the wrong word. When you put this into Google Translate, which one comes up first? Uh, That's a good question. I haven't done that, but let me Because
1: I feel like that's the go-to for us, (laughs) me. Yeah. (laughs) If I'm going somewhere, I go to Google Translate, and then I would ask the question in whatever it gives me. So I'm just curious what it gives.
0: Yeah. uh, If you type thermometer in English into Google Translate, the first thing that comes back is which is an outdoor Ooh. thermometer. So you're going to get some
1: confused looks if you trust Google Translate.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. This is one of those examples. But I love this type of translation when like uh, one culture you know, differentiates between two things that the other culture just doesn't. And mm. um, then you wind up with like totally the incorrect thing that you need. Uh, these things come up from time to time. Yeah. But uh, thermometer is a good example of it. That'll bring us to the end of Japanese of the Day and we can sneak in a few dad jokes.
1: All right, I got uh I got a couple.
0: I could do a couple. I found a rich vein of good dad jokes, so I've got okay. a long list here and I will just limit myself to two.
1: Okay. <clears throat> I only have two as well. So, I will start us off. I feel like I have a good starting point for these.
0: All right, cool. So,
1: when does a joke become a dad joke?
0: Oh man, we might be looking at exactly the same page. Oh shit. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Uh, I won't spoil it. Oh, maybe I will. I'll read my answer. (laughs) You always spoil it. (laughs) (laughs) When it becomes apparent. Uh All right. Now, to see if we have independently Googled the same list of dad jokes, (laughs) I'll read the second one. What's E.T. short for? Oh, I don't know. Oh, nice. We're on a different list. Because he's only got tiny little legs. <laughs> that's what he's short for.
1: oh That's great. All right. Why is the computer cold?
0: Ooh, because uh, it's frozen.
1: It left its windows open.
0: Okay, that's good. That's good too. That works. All right. Yes. The last dad joke. Uh, kind of relevant to what we've talked about today. What's orange and sounds like a parrot? I don't know. A carrot. <laughs> 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 big fan it's so obvious
1: big fan nice. all right <clears throat> I think
0: that'll do it yeah let's get so, out here <laughs> so, you sound so resigned <laughs> <laughs> the dead jokes are simultaneously a high and a low that's for sure yeah uh, yeah Thank you for listening. We hope this week's episode was informative and interesting. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us either on Twitter at J-Pops Podcast or by email at info at Talk to you next time. It's Pizza Terrible.